Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here with Matthew Lestalia, me, your host. Uh, I am so happy to come to you guys today with this this episode because we're going to discuss something that really plagues everyone within the professional domain. Doesn't matter your industry, doesn't matter your profession. This hits everybody, and it is going to be extremely impactful for both the first line supervisor for the employee for the ceo for everyone that participates in the workforce this is going to be crucial because it's something that we all deal with it's something that we all dread and it's something that frankly all of us can do a bit better job at so we're going to discuss how to improve performance reviews right the 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 thing the mechanism that is present for us to evaluate or to present the evaluations of somebody's performance, right? So that they can improve. We're going to look at how to improve that so that those performance reviews can end up doing two things. They can stop being this moment of dread in, in the, in the eyes of your, employees and your talent and your workforce uh they cannot be a dread for you if you are not a particular fan of being a bearer of potentially bad news uh, some 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 of us out there like like that or enjoy that so uh you know take that for what it's worth but but for the i think for the vast majority of us we don't like delivering bad news we don't like telling people that they are not doing well um you know, it can be uncomfortable. And so there are ways and there are strategies that you can take, especially today, um, where this is even more important because of the hybrid workspace that we're all managing. Um, you know, how do you not only improve just generally your performance reviews and how you do that, but also how do you how do you do that for people that are spending less if not no time in the office, right? It's becoming more and more prevalent. It has hit a point of mass adoption, mass adoption, and it doesn't look like it's going to it's going to be ebbing anytime soon. If anything, I think the adoption is going to continue to spread. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Um, but before we do, I should uh, give you a little bit of background on me for those of you that are brand new to this show. Um, like I said, my name is Matthew Lestalia. I I spent about 12 years in the army of which I, I had the opportunity to learn a lot about leadership, a lot about how to motivate people and how, especially in situations where the task at hand was not intrinsically inspiring or fulfilling, you know, there was there, taking all of the stuff out of large metal containers, these conixes, taking it all out and then reorganizing it, getting rid of the trash, getting rid of broken equipment, putting it back in and organizing it is not in and of itself intrinsically satisfying. But there are strategies that you can take in order to to increase this to to get the best performance out of your people without, you know, just grinding them into the ground because I'm going to use my authoritative position and you have to do this because uh, because I said that you have to do it, right? That works temporarily in the short term. But if you're looking to create an environment that is conducive, that is that is magnetic to people, that people are leaving their current organizations to come to you, that are that will not quit your workforce, right? That creating this won't quit workforce. That is the goal. That is why I do what I do. And that is the entire purpose of my working with businesses and collaborating with businesses is to help them find talent, attract that talent, and to retain that talent, especially in the face of the Great Resignation, which has been hitting the United States particularly hard for about, I mean, for really about two years, but in particular for the last seven, eight months, we have been just sitting really high <laughs> like somewhere around 4.5 
million people quitting their jobs every month. And that's consistent for the last seven, eight months. And the interesting piece is that the unemployment rate isn't going up. As a matter of fact, if anything, it's going down, which is a sign that people aren't just quitting and not going back to work. They are quitting because they are finding different and better opportunities for themselves elsewhere. This passion to help businesses do this was really spurred from my own background of working with individuals and in the army working with resilience and mindset and how to overcome kind of mental obstacles and self-imposed obstacles how to leverage your network and your team how to be there for others you know and, and, and all of these things in in a very operational kind of way not not in the high flutin kind of woo woo stuff but really really operational really stuff that that makes an impact and a difference in people's lives in their in their day-to-day struggles this work that i was able to do really inspired me drove drove me to want to do that full time instead of doing the army full-time right because when i had the opportunity to do that in the army it was what they call an additional duty it was an extra hat i got to wear and i really enjoyed it so much that i wanted to take it full-time and i saw that there were a lot of improvements that needed to be made you know fine-tuning and and really uh you know the goal with the army is to create something that is you pull it out of the box wherever you go and anyone that's trained on how to use this can use it anywhere for any group i wanted to do one better i wanted to get specific i wanted to get detailed and so i did i spent a lot of time researching different resilience strategies and and retreats and and the scientific literature and as i waded through this material i had this kind of realization and it was i want to have the most meaningful impact for people that I possibly can and as important as it is to instill resilience in mindset and in your emotional well-being I thought that getting more specific and thinking about where we spend most of our time and how we can use these types of skills to promote that wellness, to promote that resilience in this area. And when we think about it, most of our waking hours are spent at work. It's not at home, and it's definitely not leisure time at home, enjoying time with your family and uh, loved ones. Because when you're at home, you're you're probably playing a lot of catch up. You're probably doing dishes, doing laundry, cooking. Uh, You know, there's, there's a lot of housekeeping tasks that need to be done and so if (laughs) you you factor all those in you're probably spending what a couple hours of quality time with your family so um looking there wasn't of particular interest to me but looking at work because work is is there's so much writing on it you have your paycheck is writing on it you have your feeling of status a sense of belonging or not um, a lot of stress just from projects and due dates and, and all of these things and, and you know expectations and output. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stress there. And so I, I really wanted to take these tools and these ideas and use it to help people in the workplace. And it ended up occurring to me that, well, I can do this from a two-pronged approach. You know, I can, I can look at this from the employee perspective and say, these are the tools that you can use while you're in the workplace to increase those things to become more resilient to be able to to see an opportunity out of an obstacle that is coming up at work when you have a stressful event you know how how to be best prepared for those unexpected events um by creating a proper structure in your life and and the way that you kind of go about your life and then um, once those things come up how to effectively manage and handle those things so that you're not just getting past it and forgetting about it but you're actually using it to make yourself better in the future so there's that side and then i thought well why couldn't i work with the businesses themselves and have you know not just work with one side that's almost 
there can be a sense of them fighting against the workplace like oh i have to i have to use these resilience tools and strategies in order to to you know combat the effects of work like well why not change the dynamic at work why not change the way that things are happening there or at least introduce ideas that could be useful and helpful so that way the company the organization and the leadership are are investing in that same outcome in a higher level of resilience higher level of motivation uh you know a higher level of of output really at the end of the day you want your employees to to come to work and to perform um and you want them to do that day after day and month after month and year after year. It would be most ideal that you're not churning through employees and hoping to keep a constant feed of people coming in from the outside that you have to train and bring up to speed on how you do your stuff and how your proprietary equipment and software and all that works. So that's where that's where all of this came from. <laughs> Essentially was these two-pronged approach, this two-pronged approach coming from the talent side and coming from the management side. And if I figured if I could bring these two together and I could provide strategies to help both, then what's the out, what's the outcome? Then there's a win for the organization, right? They have an employee who comes to work that is more motivated that can overcome obstacles that can think of their feet and will perform optimally if not exceeding the standard on a regular basis and they don't have to worry about them quitting and and having to find somebody to replace them which like i said 4.53 million people quitting their jobs that's a that's a lot of people dealing with a lot of a lot of quits so and then you think about it from the talent side when they go home and they're feeling these things and they, they, they've gotten that sense of accomplishment. They've, they've, they were able to attain uh, a feeling of safety and security in their income and their employment. They're able to gain a sense of fulfillment from the work that they're doing, even if the work is not intrinsically fulfilling in and of itself. And they hopefully, if you're, if you, if you're, if you're able to take some of these strategies, you can you can create a sense of belonging, a sense of almost uh, love and community within the workplace where you really look out for each other and you really care for each other because you're looking at each other as people. Because at the end of the day, that's what this is. It's just people working with people. Some people have been there for longer. They know how it works and they run the shifts. You know, that's essentially how it works. So if you're able to provide that for the talent and when the talent has that and they get that sense of belonging you know then then they're able to to come home with a greater sense of of satisfaction a greater sense of fulfillment and and think about the difference of that if you're not somebody who's coming home after eight ten twelve hours of work and they don't feel that their work is fulfilling they don't believe that they're making much of a difference but Hey, they're earning a paycheck, right? When you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that's essentially kind of what this is hitting at. You know, they they have safety and security. You know, they're safe in their person in the sense that they're they're not worried about missing food, water, and shelter, right? And then the physiological needs, the baseline. Second level is looking at that actual security, and that comes kind of in two ways. Like, there's a security in employment, and there's security in your person, right? So the feeling secure in what you can provide in the employment, you know, then, and they don't have to worry about being fired. If they make a mistake, <laughs> that's, that's very helpful. It helps them to be able to focus on the next step and the next need, which you can also provide to them by taking positive and proactive steps and actions. And that's a sense of belonging. And that's where I think we are missing the boat a lot of us are missing the boat and that's where the biggest change can be found is in that third rung that third step of maslow's hierarchy of needs and so what i do is come in every week and i discuss different strategies and ways to help get that third rung you know and and potentially open the door to the fourth and fifth but for today <laughs> i guess and and for today <laughs> 
wipes his butt deletes everything before it right when you say that so you know maybe that's a that's a nice segue into this <laughs> so if you're in a performance review if you are telling your uh your subordinate hey listen you're doing great i really appreciate that you show up to work on time and that you're ready and you're motivated to go to work but your output is not very good and the quality of your work is needs drastic improvement right <laughs> essentially everything you said before the butt gets erased mentally in their mind you know not not literally uh obviously they'll they'll remember it but it does essentially put a highlighter on the last part and really kind of shades out the first <laughs> it's it's hard to remember and to focus on those good things so it is our job. It is the leader's job. It is your job, leaders out there, first line supervisors, anybody who's providing performance reviews. This is this is part of your job. And that's just a fun little segue into it. There was actually what I wanted to talk about today was that there was an article that was written. Oh, I don't have the date, but it was in The Conversation, this uh, journal called The Conversation. And it was, it's about improving performance reviews. And so I wanted to talk about the strategies they talk about, talk about where they got it right, where they got it wrong, and what you can do from there. So basically they broke this down <clears throat> into three different categories, kind of three different steps. I've added my own at the end because I don't think that they hit everything just right, but you know, we'll get to that. So stick around to the end, you'll get my tidbit from my own experience. But for now, let's go ahead and, and move into this. So step one, or, or the first part of improving performance reviews is to bridge the gap, bridge the familiarity gap, right? There's, when we think about, especially, like I said, a lot of this, I, I when I'm speaking about this, I definitely wanna make sure that we're considering both ends of the hybrid environment. You know, if we're, we're thinking about the people who are in the office every day, and you're also thinking about the people who are working remotely you don't want to leave them out that's that can create a lot of resentment and that is uh, how resentment brews and and um, what you can do to get in front of that and how you can um, help people to overcome it is going to be a whole another episode probably coming up in the next couple of weeks um, because that can be a very big deal especially when there's you know, it's always a big deal at work you know, when people are getting promoted and other people aren't uh people are developing relationships with leadership and other people aren't and that just becomes highlighted significantly with the high um with the hybrid work model so bridging that familiarity gap frequent check-ins right and so think about this again from a remote employee's point of view if you have somebody that's coming in maybe once a week or or it doesn't really come in at all maybe they're they're completely remotely located and so they don't come in at all that was that was my case my first job outside of the army was working remote for a company that was in london the only other person in the united states was in was near boston and i was in virginia and so i literally never met him we planned on it a couple of times but it never ended up happening <laughs> before i left so uh, I, I got to experience this full on. And one of the beautiful things, uh, my what my boss, the essentially the, the president of sales, he ran um, a really tight ship, but he also ran a very uh, like a personally connected ship. He was and he was he was open to change. He was open. To, he had a very open dialogue. We would talk at least once a week. Um, where the primary, I, that's not even right. Where we're like, there was no work focus to the talk. It was just like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You know, and like we got to know each other very well. We got to know each other's politics, which was fun because we were we were uh, not sitting from the we were not looking at things from the same angle on a lot of things. But don't worry about it. We're not going to dive into that here. This is not a political show. Uh, but, but but yeah. So he. Uh, but he was really good at connecting and, and doing the interpersonal stuff that, that a lot of people are missing. And that was, and, and he took proactive steps to ensure that there was a connection there because he knew that that was important. Um, and so doing these check-ins and, and even 
making sure that like within your calendar, like schedule it in. If you're the supervisor and you're doing, um, you're doing these uh, reviews, you're doing the performance reviews. You don't want the, uh, you don't want the perform one. You don't want the perform performance review to come as a surprise that it is coming. Uh, they should know because it happens every year. Uh, but you also don't want the information that's coming in the performance review to be a surprise. Um, and doing these kind of checks in, check-ins does two things. It allows you to connect, to, to work on the interpersonal stuff. And it also allows you to, to make observations about work and ask them how they feel things are going. Now, all of this is predicated. I'm going to dive up. I'm, I'm going to be, because I can't, I can't get out of my own way. I, I'm going to be touching on some of the stuff that in my fourth point throughout here, because my idea kind of stems or branches through all of these. Uh, so one of the things you have to make sure to do, if you want your performance reviews to go absolutely and most impeccably well and have it be no surprise as to what the review is going to be is that you have to do an initial counseling and the counseling has to be based rooted on that assessment right and and really the assessment and the initial counseling need to be based on the, the actual job and the expectations that the person's going to be doing and 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 what so what this what is the expected output what is the expected performance um and, and laying these things out very clear it should be very much like a rubric uh that you that you are providing for them you want you know you don't want to keep this isn't school right you don't want to keep the answers to the test hidden and have them do their best to figure it out give them the answers and like the, you do this this is meeting the standard you do this it's exceeding the standard if you don't if you only do this this is not meeting the standard you know and and it should be as clear as that. And if you have things within, and we'll, we'll actually get to this uh, in the next step. Uh, so actually, hold off on that. Um, <laughs> mental pause. <laughs> the, uh, okay, the, oh, this, okay. So here's another strategy for bridging, for, for the familiarity gap, for bridging this gap. Um, create office hours where managers are available. Right, so think about this like if you guys have been to college or even I don't know if they do this in high school now but um, they in in college they'll have the, the professors will hold office hours and they'll say hey you know on Tuesdays and Fridays from 12 to 2 uh, my door's open and this is the time for you to come in and bring in your questions and talk or chat about anything now you could do this uh, during lunch times uh, in your in your work, you can say, "Hey, during lunch, like my 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 door is open during lunch, or you know, I'm gonna take these people out to lunch. I'm gonna socialize." And if there's, again, look, not forgetting the remote people, create a digital one. Do this, and this is, I mean, this is your job. You're the leader. You have to lead. You gotta actually do this stuff. And so, you know, it, sometimes it may not work for you to do it during business hours. Make yourself available afterwards. That's that comes with the territory of leadership. And if you're, if you're saying, oh no, I'm, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'm not letting them cut into my family time. Like, okay, like that's fine. But if you're not able to make that time in during the day and, and to actually schedule that in to make sure that you're available. And if you're not doing the check-ins with them, like we said in the first one, frequent short check-ins, then don't be surprised when your team, your squad is getting hit by this great resignation that's sweeping through America. The other one is they talked about this is this is again from the article though. So these these three are from the article of within the familiarity gap. Uh, they talked about happy hours, Zoom happy hours, and uh, and that you should be hosting them and you should be making them fulfilling and all of this stuff. And and I think I think that's good. I think it's important to to team cohesion. I also think it's important to do um, if you're going to do it and you're in uh, in your organization has the ability to do this where they have the flexibility where you can say, Hey, listen, um, from three to four on Friday or from 
12 to 2 on Friday, we're going to do the Zoom happy hour. Um, but B, you want, you want people to connect. You want to take steps to, to actually make sure that, that it's not just something that people it's like man in the army what we would call it is mandatory fun so i haven't worked in the civilian sector long enough to know if that term um, either came from there or has spread to there but it is uh it, it is apt right and so that's we had those actually with the company that i was working for out of london and it was it was interesting um because it it there was for me there's a level of there was a there's like a, a moment where you flip where i could flip a switch where it's like okay i'm just gonna be here and whatever like i'll speak when i have to speak but i'm not really engaged and there were other times where i don't like you know they're playing around and having fun banter and stuff like that and so having um being aware of this fact being aware that uh you know not all things fit all people you know, we we would do games. We'd play. Uh, uh, we'd provide pictures that we would. Each person would have to, you know, send in or you know, a different kind of trivia stuff. But you know, you just got to figure out what your team enjoys. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting in this is that some of the some supervisors were out there, um, and they were t they were communicating with their team and figuring out what kind of desserts they liked or what kind of treats they liked or you know whatever uh what kind of, if they, if their whole team enjoyed uh alcoholic beverages and they figured that out and they would even send packages out to the team members to be able to enjoy and participate in that zoom meeting right and so that's kind of like breaking that digital wall because it's almost like i've my I'm, I'm bringing part of this Zoom party into into reality, into your reality. It's now it's in front of you. So now if we're all, maybe we're doing a, a, a wine tasting thing and like, okay, well, we were able to deliver four bottles of wine to each of these people on the team. Um, and now we're all get to taste it and, and have these sips and, and discuss it and, and, and enjoy, you know, and there's, there's ways to kind of bridge that gap. And that's, again, going into full detail on all the different ways you can do that. That's going to be a total on an episode as well. So look forward to that if this if this shoe fits, you know, if you're in that type of organization. I know a lot of people, a lot of the companies I work with that are in my area specifically are more on the manufacturing side. And so a lot of the virtual stuff doesn't necessarily hit. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, there are a lot of digital companies out there where this is very, very apt. Um, okay, so kind of alluded to this earlier. Moving into step two of what this article from uh, the conversation said, it was fewer observations, which can be counterintuitive, right? The whole purpose of this is that we want to improve our performance reviews. Well, what they're saying essentially is that we're using too many subjective criteria to create a performance review, that we are we're looking at things like creativity and other aspects that are very hard to <laughs> to objectively rate and give examples of without having a clear definition let's see they actually provided a good um transforming a uh, transformation of creativity to something that actually could be measured and it is generates practical ideas in novel situations now again this is still kind of hard <clears throat> because you would in order to truly objectively do this is that you would have to know how many novel situations arose for this person and what their ideas were and what you know how practical were they but it is better right it's a step in the right direction and so if creativeness is something that you are looking to measure look to transition into something like that and so that and take that same idea and and transfer it across all domains. So if you have anything that's like that, that is some sort of character-based trait that you're trying to assess and do a performance review on, change it into an action step, right? Generates practical ideas. 
in novel situations. So it gives the action and the setting for it. So use that as kind of a basis. Use provide an action for them to have done and a setting for them to be able to do it. Uh, and that that provides you with something that you could reference. Like, oh, okay, well, we had four meetings uh, this past month, once a week. And during those meetings, you you provided this many ideas. I remember in this meeting, you provided three, you provided four, whatever. But you have metrics, right? And so then again, your responsibil the responsibility as that first line supervisor, as that manager, is to really be aware of this and to not shoot from the hip. And if you're trying, this is this is going back to the to my fourth one that is like I said that branches out my point uh, that these branch out in between all of these is that <clears throat> you can't <laughs> you cannot uh, I don't care how good you are if you wait a year from so you do your initial let's say you you follow the guidance right and you did, gave a really solid initial counseling and initial expectation and performance expectation uh, counseling session. And then a year rolls around and you even use great action and setting based criteria to evaluate them. How, how effectively are you going to remember all that stuff over a year? You know, think about three weeks after they started working, you know, and then you go, <laughs> what, 50, how many weeks are in a year? 50, 56, uh, 52. Um, and you know, you, you're end up with 49 weeks of, of, uh, time in between when those things happen and when the evaluation is being done and what make it so what mechanisms do you have in place to ensure that you're actually keeping track of these things but the more easily trackable they are the more results based they are the easier they are to track but it's your job to make sure that you're actually keeping track and then you can then you can provide that review with a lot more accuracy and with with you know proof to back it up to to back up what you're saying. Now, um, I like this. I like to do, again, this all falls under um, fewer observations, right? We want to look, like I said, we want to be results-based. We want to change it so that our criteria in the evaluation are results-based. We also want to ensure that, and, and the thing is that really helps to, I, I never want to forget our, our remote working friends is <laughs> that that really helps too with them because it lets them know that, you know, uh, in these situations, this is what we're expecting, you know? And so whether you're working from home or you're working in the office, like when a meeting is there, if I'm, if I, if something that is important for you is to, to participate in the meeting and provide meaningful feedback or provide uh, new ideas, then you know, I need to let you know that and you need to know when those opportunities are for you to be able to do so. Um, and so uh, the next thing they said was allow freedom for manner of execution and hold up expectations, right? And so that goes into, right, you have, like I said, you have you have action, you have setting, but you can go go into more detail with other things when, when you can be more specific. That works. Setting and action work well with when you're transitioning from those personal traits, if you're using those, but if you have, you know, specific specifics that you're looking for people to perform, like you need to produce this many widgets within this quarter, you know, then you have due dates, right? Like it's in this quarter, this is the end of the quarter. Make sure that they understand what quarters are and, and when the expectations do by, they need to understand um, the quality of performance, right? Like this is, this is what it looks like when it's completed correctly. This is what it looks like when it's not. <laughs> and uh, and this, these are the in-between if there are any, right? Right, wrong, that's it. And then you can exceed standard by doing more than what's expected. Bam. Um, then you want to make sure, like I said, through this kind of just buttresses exactly everything we've been talking about which is you want to be transparent that is one of the key principles that uh that i work with companies on is is transparent communication and there should be very transparent communication in the evaluation process because the evaluation process really is just it's just a conversation about how they're doing and there shouldn't be any question from them and how they're doing because 
their expectations should have been made very clear. You should be very transparent with the expectations. And so when it comes time and you're like, hey, this is, we needed you to produce 2,500 widgets this year. You produced 2,300. So, hey, you were close, but you didn't hit the mark. And this is the impact of that. And, and you can let them know that from Jump Street, that like, if you only produce this many, then this is what, this is the, the big picture impact. Like this is why you, this is why we put this number on you and to, and why we put these numbers on everybody, on all of these different individuals. Because when you're able to tie people into the kind of big picture stuff and let them know like what this is, why does it matter? I produced, I missed it by 200, but I made over 2000. Like what, what's the big difference? Like, well, when we set our goals and our targets, we do that with an idea, with, with a purpose, right? We're not just one, you could get bonuses, which is, which is good and it's motivating, but you can tie people in with more, you can tie people in even better with benefits. That's, that's one of my biggest pushes is yes, you can cut people checks for bonuses for, for better performance and for meeting their, meeting their expect, expected output over a period of time consistently. But you can also look at what it is that they are handling and, and struggling and working with in their own life. Are they, are they a new father, a new mother? You know, do they, do they just have kids? Like what would really benefit them? Like, Hey, listen, and, and if you see this kind of as a trend across your team, as across your organization, you can gear performance output with things that matter to them. So, Hey, listen, we're actually considering bringing in, uh, you know, a daycare service into our facility. So you don't even have to go somewhere else to drop your kids off. When you come in, it's right there. And then that way on breaks, on lunches, you can go see your kid. Like that's, isn't that great? That's, that's perfect. And so how much more motivating of a factor is that to, to perform well than saying, okay, yeah. And here's a check, uh, for X percentage, you know, because you did really well. Thanks. Keep it up. Good work. You know, it's just, these are the ways that you could tie people into that performance through understanding where it is that they're coming from. And this is how people can go home feeling motivated and excited. And then there's almost an expectation flip side, right? There's, they hit their marks. There's an expectation like, hey, listen, (laughs) you said we needed to do this. We did this. Now it's your turn to put up, right? And so uh, it kind of goes back and forth, right? There's there's this balancing. It's a relationship. Uh, So I think that's fun. I think that's really good. Um, And really we broke in to... They kind of overlap here. So they talk about one, see this one, I don't, I don't have a problem with anything they've said so far. The third one, third and final one that this article talks about is one review to rule them all. And it talks about, you know, using one type of system for evaluating all employees and effectively measure that effectively measures the employee performance. We talked about kind of the, the things that you need to, to modify or make sure that you're discussing and how you discuss them in your performance review, um, kind of uh, structure um, in the previous step and by making them results-based. <laughs> but there's, I don't know, like I, I'm torn. I'm torn on this because the, what they're saying is that this keeps it fair because everyone's evaluated on the same system and on the same evaluation. And I don't know. There's just, there can, it really depends on your organization because if you have an organization that, it's pretty um, horizontal and, and a lot of people are like, are, are working on projects and, and the people can kind of be shifted from team to team um, to work on different projects, then you could probably do something like that where a lot of the roles are somewhat the same. You think about companies like, like McKinsey uh, that, does, that do consulting, right? you could probably evaluate most of them on a very, almost all the employees there on a very similar type of um, evaluation system. But even even with that, when you look at a company like that, or even like take a look at Twitter, right? You have all these different kind of software engineer folks behind the scenes, but they have different responsibilities and different expectations, right? So I think that if you're looking at the 
the kind of character trait side and you're transitioning that, I think that is really good to keep uniform. But you can't have the same performance review for, you know, uh, somebody who is a technical analyst and somebody who is a content moderator at at um, Twitter. They have different responsibilities. They have different roles. They have different expectations. And so... Some of the some of the professionalism, some of the performance, uh, some of the interactions, and and the outputs during meetings and and social interactions or professional social interactions like meetings, um, those could be somewhat the same. You might want to see people bringing up new ideas and and um, offering different solutions, and maybe your your big focus is people coming up, you know, gener the idea generation, regardless of your, you know, within your domain, within your section or department and so that can cross the board the, the boundaries um of different departments of an organization so it can work but you have to you definitely need to there are going to be specific output that is going to vary and different demands that are going to vary from department to department so i think general frame can go across but but then gearing it in because you do want it to be specific you want it you want them to know that their work and, and their quality of work is being assessed and not they're not just receiving some sort of generalized assessment that is that the less applicable they feel it is when you're going through it and like, oh yeah, that doesn't really apply, so we're not gonna worry about that. But then it's just they don't feel connected to the organization. It's another disconnecting uh opportunity when you want to reduce as many of those opportunities for disconnecting as possible. Because there are so many companies out there that are just waiting to connect with your talent. So let's let's nip that in the butt, right? Let's keep our people motivated. Let's keep them satisfied and fulfilled. That was um that was it for the article. That was that was a hundred percent of what the article had to talk about. Uh what I wanted to add on is like I had talked about before. So I think that these are the important, really, really important things to understand. Um when it comes to strategies to improve these performance reviews. And it's like I said, number one is you have to come out of the gate strong with an initial counseling. And really the structure I'm going to be talking about is actually one that the army uses and or are supposed to use. And when it is used, it is incredibly effective. It is, it is so good. You just, it is, systems are only as good as the people who use them. Right, so you can have the best system in the world, but if it kind of gets thrown to the wayside because it's not a priority, then it doesn't really matter how good it is. Same idea as having the best mousetrap in the world, but nobody knows about it, so nobody buys it. Right, it's you. It has to be adopted. If the system is great and it works, you then you have to have people using it. And it is not the case that great systems will just be used because they're so great. Like no, <laughs> what is what is the immediate emergency is typically going to override these things. It's going to override these, the the next things I'm going to talk about. So what I think, what I know makes a, the most significant impact on these annual performance reviews and, re, and truly removes the level of anxiety uh, going into them is the following. And, but real quick, the the reason, just to just to talk about the anxiety real quick, the reason that there's anxiety most of the time isn't because people are afraid of getting a bad review. I mean, yes, it is it, but it's they're afraid of not knowing. They're going in like, I don't know, I don't know if this is gonna go really good or really bad, but it's it's a it's this area of ambiguity. We as humans do not like living in uncertain situations we don't like to be walking on eggshells we want to feel confident and know and have confidence in what is going on and that's that's why everyone wants to be seen and perceived as a person who who knows something that you don't know you know because that puts them at this at this different level this different footing where they are uh they can receive more respect and esteem because they have the information and they know and they're confident um, about their knowledge of it. So I want 
your talent to be that confident. I want them to be super confident going into there because they already know what it's going to be. They already know what it's going to be about. And how would they do that? How would, after getting an initial counseling, you laying out the details of exactly their performance, for them, their memory is not perfect either. You know, they're probably not keeping track of how many times that they generated a good new idea in meetings over the past year. Um, So how what what can we do to create an environment where where that is the case when they do walk in they're like i feel pretty good about this like i i'm i know i know generally if not specifically where i sit and the answer is simple don't wait for the end of the year (laughs) to do your counselings it's really that simple you should have quarterly assessments mixed in with this as well you know and, and you can even do touch points bi-weekly in between these so you are um monthly not bi-weekly i mean you could do bi-weekly <laughs> but you want to do your check-ins right so this is this this is not to just to make sure it's clear the, the, the check-ins that we talked about in the beginning of bridging the familiarity gap is done because there's less stress and anxiety between individuals going into a performance review when there's a when there's a connection there and so if you're not doing anything to foster that connection, then that's just another one of those opportunities for disconnect. And like I said, we want to reduce those opportunities. So those are purely opportunities for connection, like I said, with other companies. Now, outside of those familiarity gaps, we're talking about performance quarterly, at a minimum, you should be going in with some sort of an outline from that and from both because these should mirror each other from the initial counseling and the annual review those really shouldn't be that different it should basically be like these were the expectations and then you put that on another sheet right next to those expectations like this is what you did (laughs) and what you do is in between there um and as a part of the initials that you can talk to the person about their goals like what is your goal what do you what would you like to achieve and like oh i would like to do this in this quarter and and then you can take that and reflect it in that next quarterly counseling. Then you can do a quick review. Like, hey, listen, this is what we talked about in the beginning. These were the expectations. And this is what we saw. Um, how do you feel about, about how it went? And then they can tell you, like, oh, yeah, I really struggled here. I struggled there. Like, oh, okay, well, you know, I can help you with that. Or we can get you retrained on this. Um, but you can address the issues and you're not waiting for the end of the year. And then you get a chance, again, to, to run the test again. Then you have another quarter and they go through. But before you start that quarter up front, again, you, you hit those those goals. You hit the what their goals are. You ask them, okay, what are your goals? What would you like to see? What kind of improvement would you like to see? What kind of performance would you like to sustain? And then they list those out and they write it down. And all of this is getting documented. And then you go into that next quarter and it's the same thing. And then, like I said, if you if you really want to be truly great at this, you could do this, uh, you know, at six weeks. You know, you know, break the quarters in half, do a midpoint check in, and and you don't even that at that point, I wouldn't even do like an official writing down. I'd just like, hey, how do you feel like things are going? Are there are there any struggles? Are there any issues um, specifically with your goals and what you set out to do um, in this quarter? And they said, no, I feel great. You know, like. Or, or they might have issues, and then you can address it at that point as well. It's just, it's this reactive. I told you what to do in the beginning, and you should be doing it. And by the end, we're going to go over it. And so you're leaving so much air of mystery, so much you know fog around the situation that it makes them feel less confident and, and less knowledgeable about how the situation is going to go when it doesn't need to be that way. It's not in your benefit to do that. It's not in their benefit to do that. And it's going, it's most likely going to reflect in a, in a much different evaluation, just factually. If you just, if you wait an entire year to actually do this. So you, you really have to hit these intermittent quick counselings. These are not your full-on annual performance review. These can be 20, 30 minutes, a quarter. That's not a lot. (laughs) I have faith and confidence in you guys that you can do this. And here's the thing. Like I said, I'm coming at this from a two-pronged approach. This is for the leadership and the management and the organization and how they want to create their workforce, but this is also for the employee. So if you're the employee out there, guess what you can do? You can ask for it. Say, hey, listen, I, I, you know, 
um, if, if you weren't provided that initial counseling like or, or a set of clear expectations or if you were given expectations and, and you just you're seeing it and you're like I think I understand ask for a time to sit like hey I'd like to sit down and just go over this stuff and just make sure that I have it ironed out and crisp and so if you see anything in there that looks character trait based then you can ask like would actions like this fulfill here and what other actions would you expect to see that would actually you know have this have my performance meet meet or exceed your expectations you ask the questions put them on the spot if they need to be if they're out there and they're not and they're not fulfilling their end of the bargain by being transparent in their communication then force the issue bring it to them ask them ask them to be clear ask them for those quarterly counselings demand it like I would like to know how I'm doing. I'd like to know how you see I'm doing. And and if there becomes an issue where what you are receiving from them in that quarterly time period does not match what you think is going on, that's that's an indicator, right? Maybe it's time for maybe they're wrong and maybe you're right, you know? And so maybe you need to you need to document the stuff you're doing better and then bring it to them and say, "Hey, look, listen, like you said I only did eight of these events but I hosted 12 and these are the dates and times that I did it I don't know how it got missed I just want to make sure that you knew everything I was tracking but then again maybe you're wrong and they're right <laughs> maybe you thought you did more than you really did and when you go back and actually look at it like oh my gosh I thought I did or I know I did but I don't have the documentation I'm going to make sure that I'm going to get this documented when I do these activities or perform these functions in the future and then that way you have those with you going into the meeting and if there continues after you bring documentation if there continues to be uh, a disconnect between you and them and, and how the performance is going and everything maybe it's not a right fit you know maybe it's not the right organization that you want to be a part of i wouldn't want to work for an organization like that but i definitely want to give the organization and my leadership and the people around me the opportunity to do right and if they're operating in a structure that's not built that way i want to i can be a part of that change just by by forcing the function myself in my own life and then when that's pushed into even one leader's purview and that's being done, that gets seen and observed by more people than you can imagine. And that can end up making a really big change in an organization starting at an individual level. And that is the way for both the management side and the talent side that we can make these work workforces and places of work, places of business that much better. Where everyone goes to work a little bit more excited a little bit more clear and everyone leaves with a little bit more satisfaction and fulfillment because we know what the expectations are and we know when we're hitting them and we know that when we're not hitting them that we can reach out to our leadership and we can find a way to overcome obstacles that are in our way i appreciate it guys thank you so much for coming and spending some time with me again this is matthew lastalia signing off you guys have a wonderful week, better weekend, and I cannot wait to see you here again next week for another episode.